Um, so I am a poet and performer um, from the UK. Um, I'm currently based in Nottingham. Let's see, originally from Ghana, West Africa. I'm a youth poet from Hamilton, I'm Canada. to a man from Zambia. Uh, I'm from Cardiff in Wales in the UK. In the United States, uh, specifically in Wisconsin. I am a poet and writer from Texas, originally in the States. And uh, I'm from, uh, of course, obviously from Nigeria. I'm from Texas in America. Hi, it's Hua, a spoken word artist and your host from Nigeria, West Africa. Spoken word is truth from broken pieces of our hearts that bleed from our pen to paper. Now I've searched for a platform to share my truth and finally decided to create this. Now I get to hear stories from different creative writers, speakers and authors from across the globe. We listen to their experiences and journey and what I've found out is that we're really not as different as we like to think we are. That my people say she goes sponsor my education And she they talk the talk that me they walk the walk Every single day that me they look to shop So if you want to chop you better check your boss Hi guys and welcome to the 31st episode of the Spoken World Podcast Update, um, I am writing my final exams and soon I will have a bachelor's degree in chemical engineering. Yay! I cannot wait to be done with this place, guys. I am like so exhausted, like... Ugh. Anyway, on today's episode, we are going to be talking to five, not one, not two, five amazing women. And listen to five different stories. Yes, guys, today's episode I will title it Flash Episode. Five stories, five short interviews, and not so much serenity, right, guys. We're just going straight to the point. We have poets from Canada, UK, US, and India sharing their intimate stories and what inspired them to write these pieces. I cannot wait for you guys to actually like hear them. Like it's going to be super, super amazing. So, um, our first poet is Leanne. Leanne Modern is a poet and performer from Nottingham, UK. She has performed at events across Europe, including recent sets at Prima Vista Festival in Estonia and Dia Mondial de la Poesa, which I'm pretty sure I completely murdered. But it's meant to mean World Poetry Day. Um, it was performed in Spain, as well as Womet Festival, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and TEDx UCL Women in London. Wow. And she will be discussing with us. So uh, let's welcome Leanne. Night climbing. Take my hand, and we'll rise above all this, because you need a fresh perspective, 
and somewhere near here there's a hole in the fence with both our names on it. If you need me to, I will lace my fingers together to build your first step up. So come on, feel the footholds worn into the walls and grip the crumbling brickwork with both hands. Kiss every grotesque as you climb but don't look down. Instead, heave your body skyward and watch the stars come out. Soon, we'll be standing on the shoulders of kings, the wind at our backs as the city tumbles away from us, an anarchy of rooftops, waiting to be conquered. Spires stooped against shopping centres and office blocks, each building burst from the ground like a mushroom, luminous with ambition, forcing its way into being. You see, this town grew up from the dirt, its foundations unstable, and everyone said that it wouldn't last. But look at us now. We are an unholy trinity, but we're not in it for the glory. We just needed a new perspective. And we're not looking for anything special, shaming St. Catherine with second chances as our lungs fill with chimney smoke. We are just luminous with ambition, forcing our way into being. And while we may not have the keys to this city, we know how to scale the walls. So let's climb every college, leap across the parapets, and claim this fungus town for anyone who has ever been excluded. Because Cambridge is ours tonight. And we can do anything. Hello, Leanne, and welcome to the Spoken World Podcast. It is great to have you on. Thanks for having me. So let us know, who is Leanne? Um, So I am a poet and performer um, from the UK. I'm currently based in Nottingham in England, um, and I've been performing for about the last 10 years. Wow. So when did you, or rather, why did you start writing? So I started writing when I was about uh, early 20s. I just finished um, education and I was unemployed. Um, And it was really basically for something to do while I was looking for work. Um, Mm. And I found out that, um, or or I really enjoyed doing it, writing poetry. And um, it just went from there, really. Um, When I did get work, I kept writing. And um, eventually I um, started performing as well. So, How would you say that spoken word has influenced you and will influence people who are exposed to it? Well, personally for me, spoken word was really good because um, when I was reading poetry at school, it seemed to be written by all these um, middle-aged, middle-class, dead white guys. And it didn't (laughs) feel like it spoke to me and and my experience. Um, So it was really great to find spoken word and find all these people of all different nationalities, um, classes, races and genders all talking about their own stories and that that was valid as something to do, some a way to express yourself. So I think for me, spoken word is important because it allows 
people to express themselves and to um, see their own stories as important and valid. And I think that that's in this current world political climate, I think that's really important. How did you get into the, the art spoken word? Um, so I used to go to poetry open mic nights with friends of mine and never really wanted to get up and perform my poetry while I was writing it. When I started writing it was very secretive. Um, it was sort of like um, a thing that you didn't tell anybody about. But um, a friend of mine at one of these nights um, put my name down on the open mic without telling me. That sounds like a really horrible thing to do. But what actually happened was... I had to do it because it would be rude not to. And uh, it turned out that um, I really enjoyed the performing side of it. I really enjoyed talking about things and then having people afterwards come up to me and go, yes, that happened to me as well. And connecting on that level that you don't get when you're just writing in your bedroom. Hello. Hello. Um, it, it caught out for a bit. All right. Okay, it's fine. Let's oh. just talk about your piece then, Night Climbing. I feel like it gives a subtle, yeah, you know, not so subtle way of telling you to keep striving to achieve your goals. Tell us about this piece. Yes, so the poem itself is, um, it's actually about um, when I lived in a university town um, called Cambridge. Um, it's a strange place because the university itself is um, a place where there's a lot of privilege, a lot of very um, intelligent and wealthy people. And then the town of Cambridge itself has some uh, real pockets of poverty. So it was actually about um, this idea of being an outsider and being able to um, strive for your goals despite the fact that you perhaps are on the outside looking in. So that's really where that uh, the inspiration for that poem came from. Oh, wow. Well, our audience and is uh, consists of aspiring writers from across the globe. You know, If they were to leave with one message from you, what would that be? So uh, in terms of what... Um, spoken word can do for you I think it's really important to say that if you are a writer or if you'd like to be a writer the main thing to say is that you need to write you need to write every day you need to write no matter what else is going in, on in your life you need to write even if it's five minutes a day and you have to believe that what you say and what you want to write about has value and has meaning um, and if you can do that and if you can believe in that, then you can call yourself a writer. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. It was such an honor having you on the show. Yeah. And I hope we'll hear from you some other time. Thank you so much as well. Oh, that was a really nice conversation. I really just like loved listening to that interview again. Anyway, we don't have time for that. We're moving to our next artist, Aria, or Ariana. Um, she's a recording artist and two-time cancer survivor. Yeah, this conversation was very interesting. She wrote a really, really beautiful poem that I am so glad I'll be able to share with you guys. And the name of the piece is In This Box.
The first thing to occur was the second longest silence ever recorded in human history. What could I say to something like that? What could I say to someone telling me that God had decided I wasn't worth it anymore? I put you in this box. I put you in this box so you can't hurt me. You are contained and therefore are no longer a contaminant to my soul. This box makes you nameless, strips you of all recognition. Finally, people won't stare at me because of the physical scars you've left. The scars carved into my back with a blade so hateful my heart attacked itself. The scars on my face from the tears you ate up on your way to devouring my brain. The scars on my shaved head from you ripping my hair out one toxic chemical at a time. Now, people will only stare at your box at its decadently decorated exterior, like a gardenia drenched in liquid twilight just waiting to drip dry. They will remark at its beauty, not knowing that what's inside it is as deadly as the corner of Sin's attic. No skull or crossbones will be painted on your box. You don't deserve a title or a warning. a little too late to close my eyes when I look at you so as not to burn my mind blind from the inside out. I will sing you to sleep in an attempt to calm your aggravated anarchy. I will keep you. I will keep you in this box so that you cannot hurt others. People say you came to me because I needed strength, so thank you. To a thing I am supposed to hate, thank you. Because sometimes the most hated things need to be loved so hard that the pressure cracks their sides, illuminates their consciousness, and melts them into molten melancholy. Dear Cancer, I put you in this box so that you can no longer define me. I am a dance that licks the ocean with its toes. I am a naked forest dipped in powdered sugar, illuminated by the moon. The pieces of a daughter's shattered heart the first time her mother throws her to the ground. I am my best friend's flaws without her courage to admit that they are mine. I am the sister of inspiration who is the brother of solitude. I am misdirection in the mind of a mental patient. I am a survivor. And honestly, Cancer, I really don't think you get a say in how I define myself anymore. The last thing to occur was the longest silence ever recorded in human history. The kind of silence that filled me with the realization that God didn't have to decide if I was worth it, because I already had. Hello, Ari, and welcome to the Spoken Word Podcast. It is great to finally, finally talk to you. <laughs> Hi, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. So let's know a bit about Ari. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I'm originally from Santa Fe, New Mexico, and um, I moved out to California to go to m- a music school. So I graduated uh, with my BFA in music, and I've been doing music ever since then. Um, I started... I've been kind of been writing poetry my whole life, but started um, spoken word uh, actually only in college and kind of started marrying that relationship between my music and my spoken word. Um, And yeah, I do music uh, now full time. I also work at a recording studio and um, I just signed with a label. So I have lots of new music coming out. Um, Yeah, that's me. When did you start writing? 
Um, I've been writing songs since I was very young, and I kind of started exploring poetry more into high school when I started taking high school classes, and then spoken word came um, into college. Mm, Okay, and why did you start writing spoken word? Um, I started uh, in a poetry class that I had when I was attending um, music school. And uh, I actually came upon it by accident, kind of. I was just writing a a poem. It wasn't meant to be necessarily a spoken word, just a written poem, Um, but found a song that went really well to it and decided to kind of try to speak it in rhythm. And it became my first spoken word piece. Interesting. Did you know much about spoken word before then? Um, I didn't. I had seen a lot of videos of other people doing it, and I always loved watching others, but I certainly never thought it would be something that I could do uh, or would be able to do. Yeah, I, I feel like spoken word poetry is a very underrated art form, and I'm so glad that you were able to discover yeah. it when you did. I really loved your piece. I put you in this box. Um, it's a piece, It's a piece about you surviving cancer. Could you share with us how it was for mm-hmm. you at that time and what you did to pull through? Sure. Um, I was diagnosed when I was 18. Um, I was diagnosed with um, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And uh, the first time it was localized uh, under my right arm, which was wonderful that it hadn't gone into my blood yet. Um, I did chemo. I did radiation. Um, and the, I went into remission for about two months and the second time it came back into the temporal lobe of my brain. Um, and once it was in my brain, they decided that I was terminal. So at that point I chose to stop, um, going into treatment, um, and just kind of change my whole mindset about it, that if it was meant to kill me, it would. And if it wasn't meant to kill me, it was meant to teach me a lesson. So what, um, it was that lesson, how, Uh, Could I learn that lesson and apply it to my life? And I started really looking at my body like a science of how do I create an environment that cancer cells can't live in? So I started changing, um, you know, my diet and my whole attitude towards my body as well. Um, And yeah, I think um, kind of really adopting that positive mindset of letting things be whatever they were going to be, but also doing everything that I possibly could to heal myself from the inside out was a really big deal. And of course, writing and music and um, creative expression were really big parts of that. Um, And then I was able to um, cure the cancer on my own. And then I've been in remission um, about four years now. I'll actually be five years in uh, June, which means I'll be officially cancer-free in June. Wow. Curing the cancer on your own. That is crazy, really. If our listeners could leave with (laughs) one message from you, what would that message be? I would definitely say um, self-love is absolutely underrated because it's kind of become this uh, cheesy thing that people um, just throw out there. Oh, you need to love yourself before you love other people. But um, it is enormously true in every single aspect of your life as soon as you start investing in yourself whether it's your health or your writing or your music um, or the relationship to yourself everything else in your life kind of heals outside of that so I would just say um, make sure that your own love is intact and that will heal you from the inside out Mm. when you say you were you were able to cure yourself of cancer Mm -hmm. um 
How exactly did you do that? <laughs> um, it was a very long, complicated process. Um, but I think I was never unhealthy. But a lot of thinking of the body as a science is creating a alkaline environment. So making sure that your blood is alkaline and that your blood is also um, oxygenated because cancer cells can't live in alkaline blood or in blood with um, a large oxygen level. So really what it comes down to is different foods, um, what kind of foods you're eating and how those foods um, affect the environment in your body. So I got little uh, testing strips kind of to test my pH, um, very similar to the kind of strips you put inside of a pool kind of to test the alkalinity of that. Um, and got a little uh, meter to read my heart rate and read my oxygen levels and just started doing that with every single meal and eating foods accordingly. Um, yeah, that's kind of the, the basis of it. Mm. Sounds like a lot. Thank you so much for uh, joining us and sharing your story and your experience and you are an inspiration to the rest of us. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Thank you so much. That was a pretty interesting conversation, right? And as much as I would love to delve into that, uh, we have another poet, Robin Kersedu. I really hope I pronounced her name right because it sounds really beautiful. Robin is a queer Punjabi Canadian spoken word poet based in what is colonially known as Hamilton, okay? She is currently enrolled at McMaster University where she pretends to know what she wants to do with her life. She is the Burlington Slam Project 2018 Grand Slam Champion. Robin is the 2018 Voices of Today Underground Indies Champion. Wow! And today, she will be speaking with us on why she studied poetry and what inspired her to write her piece, Reflections on Falling in Love with a Poet. Reflections on Falling in Love with a Poet. Falling in Love with a Poet is watching him write poems about all the other girls he's ever loved, knowing that every love poem he writes is not about you, but hoping for it anyways. Wishing one day he will weave you into his rhyme scheme, you will trick yourself into believing you are not deserving of his prose. You will unlearn the idea that you are worth whole poetry collections. Falling in love with a poet is his best poems being about the one who came before you. See, we poets fester and bubble in our heartbreak. We relive each decapitation of a limb with every lift of a pen. We do not know how to cauterize his wound and forget. We ooze and overflow with metaphors. Watch him perform his heartbreak on a stage now. Want to rip the hurt from his fingernails. Wince when the judges reward his trauma with tens. Falling in love with a poet will take you three minutes, maybe ten seconds. The hurt that comes when he leaves the show before you perform will last you all slam season. It is not making the team. It is every point deduction stabbing you in the chest. Falling in love with a poet is not pretty. The only time he will tell you about how he is feeling is in front of a microphone. You will get more angry poems about yourself than love notes. Performance poets do not know how to write happy poems. You want to teach him that you can write about so much more than heartbreak. Tell him that scabs do not heal when you keep picking at them. Falling in love with the poet is him turning your life into the first draft. 
Watch him take your story and spin it into a poem for points. He will try and turn you into something that scores well. Something an audience will roar at. He will trade you in for relatability, make you more simile than significant other. He will not see the perfect 30s you carve out of your chest for him. He will treat you like the judge whose score gets dropped anyways. You will always listen to his incohesive lines and love them despite the mess. Watch him compare even more women to witches, wildfire, and the weather. But he will not spare a second to hear your new lines. He will treat you like this and then demand you not turn him into poetry. He'll be uncomfortable with your ability to Lazarus stanzas off the page. It takes him months to wrestle with the words for his own work. So obviously, he will accuse you of shadowing his sentences, of your pieces sounding too eerily like his because, of course, you cannot come up with pretty prose on your own. It has to come from him, the king of all poetry and performance realized later. His stage presence is all dick and no diaphragm, which is to say... I wish I had the confidence of a bad male writer, too. How come every time I fall for a poet, I become less romance, more scorekeeper? He will not try and revise his behavior, only try and amend your run-on sentences. He will leave your heart sentence fragment. He will always leave you feeling like an unfinished poem. Hi, Robin, and welcome to the Spoken World Podcast. It is such an amazing experience to have you on. Hi, thank you for having me. All right, so tell us a bit about yourself, Robin. Um, well, I'm a youth poet from Hamilton, Canada. Um, I am currently in university. I'm pursuing a political science and peace studies major and a minor in women's studies. So I've always got my nose in a philosophy book. <laughs> Why did you decide to go for those particular um, courses? Well, I really enjoy um, political science and politics because when you are a marginalized person, like when you live with certain identities, like I'm, I'm a femme, I'm of color, you know, I am queer, everything you do is politicized. Everything affects you directly. So I wanted to better understand the world I lived in and the different like theories that make up that world. When did you start writing? I started writing back when I was 15 years old. I had just recently been outed to my entire high school um, of being queer. I was the first openly queer person, so it was like a big shock. And this happened around, weirdly enough, it happened around the same time we had to do a creative writing assignment based around a social justice issue for one of our classes. And so I decided to do mine on homophobia because I'd just been outed. Um, And I wrote a spoken word piece And I absolutely fell in love with the medium and I I loved writing. I loved performing. So I continued to write, but like I wrote in the closet. I didn't show anyone. I didn't perform anywhere until a friend of mine told me about a poetry slam that was happening in the area. So I ended up going and I ended up taking some super rough work and performing. And I've I've been performing since, since the age of 15. Yeah. Um, what inspired you to write your piece, Reflections on Falling in Love with a Poet? Well, I... <laughs> so the first thing people will tell you when you join the Poetry Slam community is don't fall in love with every other poet. Yeah, because it actually sounded pretty personal. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I, I've only really been a part of the Canadian spoken word scene for the past year and a half. And there's something 
like kind of romanticizing about the idea of like, you know, seeing somebody go up on stage and tell their story. And so I ended up really liking a poet and we ended up dating for a little bit and it did not end well. So that's where that poem comes from. So you feel or you you felt that that's how it is to date all poets or just that particular poet? At the time, that's what I thought it was. Um, at the time, I thought dating all poets, including like somebody else dating me, was going to be like that. Um, I'm glad that I've grown out of that. One of my partners right now actually is also a poet. But dating that poet at the time was definitely like that. And I feel like a lot of male poets are like that in their communication breakdown. Hmm. Would you say you um, exhibit some of those qualities? That is, taking your uh, partner or your boyfriend as a subject for inspiration for your poetry? Yeah, sometimes. I've never written um, like loving poems. I've never written like romance romance poems. So since like dating my partner, I've been writing a lot for them. And it's been really sweet and it's been really lovely to like write really um, heartfelt and nice, soft poems. Okay, so how has the community been using poetry as that medium? Writing and performing your story, especially when you are a marginalized person, is an act of resistance. Um, Telling your story about dealing with, you know, sexual assault, dealing with racism, sexism, and then showing those poems and those stories and like every part of yourself on a stage and speaking up against that is an act of resistance. It's, it's protism. It's, it's, it's protesting. It's activism. It's making sure that you are seen, that you're taking up the space that you deserve. And a lot of those poets don't just write. They also take part in activist work and they're working every day to help unlearn toxic behavior and, you know, teach people and help help educate people it's a lot of hard work but like I the poets I know do the most of it that sounds great um if our listeners were to live with one message from you what would that be don't be afraid to write your story your truth I feel like the hardest part about writing is that people think they automatically need to be good at it which is so wrong like and being good at writing is subjective anyways you know, taking that first step to write is such a healing, cathartic process that I would tell you to just go ahead and write. And one day, if you feel like you want to share it, get on that stage. You don't ever really feel ready for it. It's something you have to do and learn from. That was actually a really good conversation. Now that I like listen to it, I wish I had asked like deeper questions like, how it was coming out as queer, even though she was outed, and how exactly she had channeled all of that into her poetry. Well, I guess some other time then. Our next poet is Courtney. She has a really interesting bio that I'm just going to read to you. After getting in trouble for reading poetry in a math class, Courtney dedicated her life to words in everything from essays to brand guides She studied English at Texas A&M University, where she wrote a narrative thesis on pilgrimage and a poetry chapbook called With Upturned Palms. Wow. She currently works as a copywriter for the Texas-based creative agency Sherwood Fellows. 
And she'll be talking about her poem, um, Fear of Missing Out. This is The Fear of Missing Out. People used to ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up, saw the mountain ranges in my eyes and my curious hands, heard my voice full of wonder and questions and figured I had dreams as wide as a child's smile. They were right. By the time I was eight, I had the perfect answer for anyone who asked me about my future. I said I would be the world's first mom, vet, astronaut, president, author, teacher, doctor, lawyer, pop star, journalist who climbs Mount Everest and solves world hunger and maybe wins Dancing with the Stars. People would laugh as I jammed infinity into the years ahead. They didn't realize that I wasn't joking. Some deep part of me really believed I had enough life to live every adventure I could pluck off a TV screen or out of a book. My bucket list became the whole globe. Future me danced through rainforests and explored cathedrals, met dignitaries, restored dignity, dug for treasure. I figured that if God had created the whole wide world and called it all good, well then I wanted all the good. This thirsty heart, this soul unsatisfied. Time and realistic adults started to whittle down my life choices until I was left to grow up with a backpack full of big desires and no idea how they'd be met. The black hole in my chest sounds like cracking every book spine, sounds like a pencil scratching relentlessly, the constant click of keyboard and engine always whirring, sounds like shaking every hand, greeting every person. And it's not that I'm afraid of being bored or alone. Instead, I fear leaving the world with unturned stones untold stories, unsolved suffering. What do I do with the gaping hunger in this body, the lifetimes it would take to live the life I want? But the littlest soul said that God wouldn't give us desires she couldn't meet. So when God held this heart and set it beating, she left fingerprints the size of everything. And I arrive at today still searching for the hands that shaped me needy. See, you and me, we were molded by infinity, and in our simplicity, we begin to worry that nothing can fill those fingerprints, start to worry that we can't fix all the pain we break for or find all the adventures we dream of. But I don't think God would give us endless loves and ending lives just so we would leave the world empty. No, the echo between our ribs cries for songs beyond this dry bones world that says, leave that broken water jar. Daughter, don't you realize I've got fountains for that parched soul? Don't you realize all the hunger in your belly won't be fed with bread and we, we slow down. Take off our backpacks. Find the adventures God mapped in fingerprints long before we breathed because we don't get to take every trip. See every beauty. Fix every hurt. Live every life. But hey, isn't the one we've got just what the world needs? Hi, Courtney, and welcome to the Spoken World Podcast. It is so great to have you on. Hi, Hula. It's so good to be here. I'm so excited that you asked me and that you even found my work. I'm just really thrilled. Yeah, like it was great, actually. Uh, Instagram has created this platform that I never thought existed. So there are a lot of poets, and it's great to have something like that where we can all connect. So tell us a bit about you. Yeah, sure. So... I am a poet and writer from Texas, originally in the States. Um, I grew up there and I liked writing all my life, but I also just liked school in general. I liked to learn. And so sometime during college, I just realized that 
I really wanted to write, that that was something that I had liked my whole life, kind of a consistent thing that had stayed with me. And so I started studying English. Um, I got involved in spoken word poetry at a local spoken word community, and everything unfolded from there. And I graduated back in May from school, and now I'm working as a creative writer and copywriter for a creative agency. So essentially, we help companies and um, nonprofits, I guess, write their brand and create resources for their audience and their um, their uh, the people they're selling to for them to use. Um, and it's really good work. I get to be paid to write a lot, which is wild. I didn't know that that existed for people. And it's been really fun. So um, why did you start Spoken Word? Honestly, the internet is the reason I even found out about Spoken Word and found out that it existed. Um, I When I was in high school, I watched a TED Talk from this poet named Sarah Kay who I think is a lot of people's kind of gateway into poetry. She's really, really prolific. She's all over the place. Um, but she had a TED Talk back in 2011, I want to say. Um, and it had a poem at the beginning and then a kind of 17-ish minute talk about poetry and education and learning, and then another poem at the end. And I had never seen spoken word poetry, except maybe in a parody or making fun of it. But it just really rocked my world. It was so beautiful. It was extraordinarily smart, but also relatable and fun and interesting. And I tried to show it to my friends and thought, oh my gosh, they're going to love this. And they didn't really get it. They were kind of confused by it. They were like, why are you showing me this poem? Um, And so I kind of just kept it tucked away and would watch poetry on YouTube on my own um, and never really shared with anyone that I enjoyed it that much. But I, when I got to college, I found out there was a local spoken word scene and it took me two years to get up my courage to go and perform a poem at the, at the open mic night. But once I did, I really fell in love with the people and with the community and obviously with the art form. Um, I started going to that spoken word scene, going to one in Houston and um, one in San Antonio and just trying to get as involved as I could. Mm. So uh, fear of missing out. Tell us what inspired you to write this piece. Yeah, I wrote this poem, I want to say sometime in the middle of school. And I was really getting overwhelmed by all the choices I had um, or wanted to have for a career. I think I was friends with a lot of people who knew exactly what they wanted to do and kind of had their life together. And I felt like such a mess because... I didn't know what I wanted to do with my job or with my career. And even bigger than that, I just didn't know what I wanted my life to look like. I felt like there were so many good things in the world that I could do that it was hard to decide what I would do and what I should do. Um, And so that poem came from a place of recognizing that that's actually not a bad thing. I always thought, you know, oh man, like this stinks. I have all these dreams that I want to accomplish and there's no human way possible. I can be every job and live every experience that I want to live. Um, But I actually realized that that just means that my heart is not made for um, just one thing and that the world has a lot of opportunities for me to create those experiences. Um, And that even if I don't get to do every single thing that I want to do in life, that life is still meaningful and life still has a purpose. And so, yeah, that, that poem definitely came from a place of 
wanting to explore that desire to do everything, but trying to figure it out. And I realized that it's, it's okay to have that desire. And actually it makes for a more exciting life. Hmm. Yeah, I can totally relate because um, I'm studying chemical engineering right now. And a lot of people will say that poetry is, you know, like on the other end of the spectrum, like they do not relate at all. And then people totally. ask me, okay, so now that you have this podcast you're starting that is focused on just literary arts and you're also, you know, studying engineering, what do you want to do, you know, later on? And till now, I don't have an answer. And I keep telling people that, you know, well, I'm not going to put all of my eggs in one basket. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to see how it goes, right? I don't want to give any one of them up. Okay. Um, I think that if you're able to take two of those and make something beautiful out of both of them at the same time, I don't really think they're so different, but at some point, one could overshadow the other. So I'm just waiting for that point and... Before that happens, I don't want to miss out on this or that because I felt like I just needed to pursue one at that moment. So you were going to say? Um, well, I was going to say that there's uh, there's a phrase called FOMO, which is where the title of the poem come, comes from, fear of missing out, FOMO. And it's it's a thing that I think a lot of college people experience, which is like, okay, I have one night a week where I'm free and I can either go hang out with these friends or hang out with these friends or study or read this book or watch this movie and recognizing like there are a lot of good things to choose from and we don't have to be fueled by the fear that we're not going to get to do some things but we should be fueled by the desire to do good things Um, things that we're going to enjoy things that are going to increase our you know our happiness in life um, and so for you, I, when you said you were a chemical engineer, I thought, man, she, I bet she has a lot of really good things to choose from. And so I think it's going to be exciting to see that unfold in your life. Mm. All right. So thank you so much for that. Um, what is your advice for young poets and spoken word artists who are yet to discover their potential? Mm. I, I think that there's this thought that people who quote unquote make it as poets, um, that they have it all together, that they know what they're doing, that they sit down and write a poem and it's perfect the first time and they don't have to try it all. And I'm still starting out. I mean, I'm still very new to it. Um, still pretty new to writing in general, but I'm realizing that no one has it together in that way. Um, there's a phrase that's called imposter syndrome to kind of describe that feeling of, I feel like I'm faking it. I feel like anytime I succeed, it's just a fluke. Um, that failure is actually my default and that I'm just coasting by on luck. That's kind of what the imposter syndrome feels like. And I realized that poets who are experienced, poets like Sarah Kay, who I admire a lot, even they have to go through a difficult process of finding out what they want to write about and editing and practicing and kind of failing sometimes. And that has always been a real reassurance to me to just know that no one really has it together. Everyone's kind of learning as they go. Um, And even people who are experienced are still learning or at least trying to learn if they're good poets. And so I think as a, me as a young poet giving advice to any other young poets um, just to keep learning and know that learning is a really messy and fun and invigorating and dynamic process where there's going to be failure and 
feelings of insecurity or lack of confidence, but that doesn't mean it's worth, it's not worth trying. Thank you, Courtney, for sharing your insights with us. It was really great having you on. Thanks so much, Hua. It's been so fun. And we are four poets down. Hey, if you guys are having fun, um, it would be super, super, super amazing if you could leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. And don't forget to rate us, guys. We need those. Join our Patreon page, like help us out, donate, let us know that you care so much about our content that you would like us to keep putting things out there and you won't mind a little, you know, extra something. I mean, the quality is amazing, I'd like to think. Speaking of content, we have one more artist today. And I'd like to just like tell you what she's about, but I love her bio and I'm just going to read that to you. Hey! I'm Mahek and I live in Mumbai, India. I love writing, especially fiction, reading, music, traveling, and football. I absolutely love the football club Barcelona and Lionel Messi and hope to see them play in Barcelona one day. I've always been imaginative and enjoy making up entertaining stories in my head. I'm a very curious person and I often keep wondering what the us, the planet, the universe, it all is. Well, let's get ready for our final guest of the episode, Mahek. I, I just got this train of thought speeding through my mind and realized that I don't want to lose it. Because in a second, my mind will be full of swarming bees. A text I receive will remind me of a meeting I have later tonight. And while I sit here to write a poem I don't know what about, I wonder if it's right to list down the cacophony going on inside my mind. I look into the mirror in front of my bed and wonder if I can see the aura about which I'd read only earlier this morning. It was an article, you see, about how auras are easy to read. It would take practice, though, the article warned. But in my world full of instant gratifications, why do I want to waste time practicing a skill I think I've already learned just by reading? No, stop. What are you doing to yourself? You have articles to write, money to make. Why are you spending your energies on this poem, for God's sake? So I shut my book, open my laptop. But I see the phone from the corner of my eye. Chloe might not be Kim's sister. That's shocking. Or maybe not. Oh my god, a post about how short hair suits even chubby faces just popped up. Could it be a sign or a clue? Am I hungry for a pizza right now? Well, that could be true. I just click on the link and my order goes through a missile test by North Korea that will have consequences for the world. But too sad, I won't remember anything I've read in this technological swirl. Overload. Overload. There's information. Overload. Stop. But if I stop... Won't I be too far behind from all the great minds who think they know everything about everything? No, no, shh. Let's go take a walk. Ding. The lift plays the song that's going to be stuck in my head for very long. I want to go for a walk, but I refuse to walk down the stairs because my life is a series of tasks. And between those tasks, there is emptiness, complete disconnection because of tiredness. And during those tasks, there is still emptiness, complete disconnection because of the millions of sparks going through my mind all at the same time and my inability to give any of them attention enough to discover fire. So, well, it's always dark in there. Sorry, sorry, I was going to go for a walk to clear my mind. Oh, 
but it's raining. How could I not prepare for this possibility? Could it be a possibility that while thinking about every far-fetched possibility, I forgot the most obvious one? Is this an epiphany? Have I discovered some greater truth to life? Does this occurrence have any hidden meaning? Am I supposed to learn something out of it? No, I shouldn't analyze every small thing. Do I live inside a poem for every sentence in my life to be a metaphor? Oh my God, I was so lost in my thoughts that I didn't notice the cab rushing in my direction, honking to deaf ears. I can see the next scene wide and clear. I jump out of the cab's way and fall to the ground, just like in the movies, as I get up. I have discovered the secret to life. Um, but the cab driver stopped a few inches short. It's his fault that I'm not enlightened right now. So instead, I walk and win fake arguments with the cab driver in my head. My head, my head, all it does is think, think, why are you here? Why do you exist? Or think, think, how do you become successful? How do you climb to the top of the social ladder? Just think, think, think so much about how you feel and what you feel that you forget to feel. Rush, rush, rush about to do everything and in the end do nothing. Shh, 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 silence. Silence the voice of your own soul. And keep thinking about how no one understands you and how you just don't fit in. But forget that when you lose yourself, where can you belong? In this hustle bustle of today, tomorrow, yesterday, in this world where ideas are easy to come by while action is not, in this routine, in this mundane where you are every day struggling to be different and unique and better, yet to be approved. You are the same and so am I. A bogged down little soul with too much going on because you listen to all the chitter chatter constantly cluttering your mind. But you are too oblivious to listen to that meekly voice knocking at your door from inside your soul. Hi and welcome to the Spoken World podcast. It's so great to have you on. Hi, I'm really excited to talk to you as well. So you say you like to make stories, like you like to be create your own world. Is that when you started writing? Yeah, I think so. Actually, um, initially, when I was much younger, uh, I would be very scared of everything around me. I honestly don't know why. Um, and I've kind of tried to let go of um, trying to understand why I used to be so scared as a kid of everything around me, of the road, of people, of trees, of just everything. And so I guess to kind of um, take myself away, take that fear away from me, I started uh, creating stories in my head. And they wouldn't really be about me. They would be about random characters and random, just random situations. And I think um, with writing, it gave me a very uh, easy, uh, a very easy form to put it down and see that story come alive. Yeah. So, all right. Let us know what inspired your piece, Listen. So, uh, with Listen, actually, um, uh, so I've, been writing spoken word poetry for a few years now but I wrote listen last year and I hadn't really written almost any poetry at all like any poem at all for about um, at least six seven months before I wrote listen and so one day I sat down and I was like I really want to write something but I'm not able to write a poem and I realized that I'm not able to write because my mind is so cluttered with 
so many different thoughts all the time that I'm not able to get any clarity on any one thought to actually you know, fully understand it and then pen it down, which is why I was not able to write. So I was like, okay, maybe I should write about this. And that's where the inspiration for Listen came from, like actually having my mind so cluttered and so full of thoughts to not, as to not be able to do anything else. So what was your, what were those things that you were thinking about that couldn't let you pick one topic? So I would say... Uh, like I think I wanted to do many different things at that point of time from writing to uh, performing and I was also working a job all of those things and two was just my internal conversation the constant internal conversation that would go on with anything like for example if I need to write a poem and I sit to write a poem and I'm thinking about what I need to write and um, I come up with a topic, uh, say, I say that, okay, I feel strongly about um, um, confidence right now. And I uh, want to write about lacking confidence. And then I'll, I'll start thinking about whether I should write it or not, and what people will think about it, whether I really truly feel like I need to write about it. Uh, is it a good idea to write about it right now am I inspired like I would overthink it so much overthink each decision uh, or rather each thought each um, idea that came into my mind so much that I was not able to execute it so those were the kind of things that were going on in my mind at that time as well all right well finally for uh, you if you were going to tell it's aspiring writers and performance poets across the globe mm. if you're going to leave them with one distinct with with one distinct message what would it be i think um okay give me a minute to think about this um i think uh from like one distinct message would be not to be afraid to uh put your thoughts onto the paper for example when I used to write I used to keep wondering and keep thinking why would people want to listen to me but the thing is it's not about why would people want to listen to you it's about what you want to say and if you say it with honesty and with truth and with you being fully involved in the process when you're writing it then it will connect with people um who 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 might be very different from you as well like it can connect with so many different kinds of people if you are true to yourself so I think it's very important to let go of the thoughts of what the writing will uh, what impact the writing will have or what other people will think about the writing and when you are writing just concentrate on the process of writing and just trying to be as honest as possible while you're doing it is what I have learned for myself over the last few years so I guess that well this was a really fun episode I mean it's the first time that I'm doing something like this merging different artists and listening to different stories all that to go and I had fun and I'm so happy that I took a break from studying to do this, to listen to stories and remind myself why I do this, why I write, 
and why I want others from different parts of the world to listen to these stories. I hope everyone listening enjoys it as much as I do. And if you do like really just share it to your friends, let people know about, you know, the spoken world and what it's done for you, what it could do for you. We're getting to the end of the year and I want to make such a significant difference in people's lives. I want to I want to make sure that I'm able to touch people differently and you know, in a good way. <laughs> in a good way. Um and I just can't wait to see what next year, you know, has in store for us. We've got like an amazing episode at the end of the year called the Q&A session so if you've got like questions and stuff send them my way let's answer all those questions any suggestions just bring them in let's just say bring them in oh my god that would have been perfect for a bloopers episode if we were going to have that but um okay and this is the part where I say bye <laughs> so thank you so much for listening till next time my name is Hua from Nigeria <laughs>